Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I am James Butte in Washington. Today is Tuesday, December 6th, and here are some of the stories we are covering. In battle, South African president petitions the country's constitutional court. The president is of the view that uh, the panel misdirected itself in terms of understanding the law. Meanwhile, corruption-weary South Africans react to latest presidential scandal. The governing body of the Uganda Medical Association meets today, Tuesday, to consider disciplinary action against the group's president. Burkina Faso bans French state broadcaster in a blow to press freedom. Charles Bar Association condemns guilty verdict and sentencing of pro-democracy protesters. The College of Lawyers will appeal against this judgment in the hope that the appeal judge will be enough independent to reverse this judgment. And Botswana carries out emergency community meetings as vulture poisoning surge. Those stories and more are coming up on Daybreak Africa. Mbato South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has petitioned the country's constitutional court on the grounds that the parliamentary committee that recommended his impeachment misunderstood the law. The independent parliamentary committee concluded that the president violated the constitution and engaged in corrupt practices in relation to thousands of U.S. dollars illegally hidden at his Palapala farm. Meanwhile, the National Executive Committee of the ruling African National Congress, ANC, met on Monday. Professor Sipo Sipid is a political analyst and former deputy vice chancellor for institutional support at the University of Zululand. He tells me that the ANC Executive Committee decided to support President Ramaphosa. The National Working Committee of the ANC met and made a recommendation that the NEC must uh, apply its mind and uh, support the president's decision to challenge the report by the independent panel that has been set by parliament. Did you say that um, President Ramaphosa or the ANC has gone to the constitutional court or have taken this matter about the panel's report to the constitutional court? What does that mean? The panel was asked, given the information before it, whether the president may have committed serious violation of the constitution and the law and also whether he has uh, acted or has uh, been found to be guilty of a serious misconduct. And the panel came to that determination. And then the president, in addressing the ANC, indicated through his lawyers that upon reading the report and the findings, he finds them to be fatally flawed. The president is of the view that uh, the panel misdirected itself in terms of understanding the law. And one of the things that he raises is the issue that they used uh, information that was not obtained uh, lawfully. And in terms of uh, the laws of a country, anything that has been unlawfully obtained cannot be allowed to be entertained by audience of the state, especially in terms of adjudication. But these are things that this is more legalese. It doesn't address the perception of wrongdoing that most people have accepted. And in doing so, he was telling the ANC members that now that they have approached the court, this matter is still a matter that has not been resolved. So it is better for 
us to await what the constitutional court would say before you can join the other parties in suggesting that I should be subjected to the impeachment process. And the ANC has taken that position to say until these issues of law, the issues of legality and constitutionalism are addressed, it will be too early for them to participate in the debate that is scheduled for tomorrow. Effectively, what he's asking them, he's asking the ANC to use its majority to stop the proceedings and the investigation that the members of parliament from other parties want to launch. But that's political. Is there any legal remedy for those who want the investigation to continue? Well, parliament may decide that there is something called separation of powers, that the court can proceed and discuss those issues. But as parliament, they're also empowered by law and by the constitution, that they can continue with their own processes. Nothing in law prevents parliament from entertaining. That would be the argument of the political parties. But it will depend on whether the constitutional court could agree that given that the matter is under consideration, the matter should not be discussed by parliament. But at the moment, we have reached a stage where the courts are beginning to become too careful about entering the policy space which is largely reserved for politicians or for parliament. So we'll see how it goes. But where the ANC may get its uh, wish is that uh, for the parliamentary process to proceed, it needs to be voted in. It needs to be voted for, and the ANC has a majority, and it may not be possible for other parties to reach a a simple majority of 51% for the process of impeachment to proceed. Professor, thank you so much again. We are always happy to get your views. You're welcome. Professor Sipo Sipe is a political analyst and former deputy vice chancellor for institutional support at the University of Zululand. He was speaking with us from Johannesburg. Siru Ramaphosa is now South Africa's first president or leader of the ruling African National Congress, the ANC, to be dogged by allegations of corruption. While graft claims do not surprise most South Africans, analysts say it is taking a toll on the ANC's popularity. Zahir Kassim reports from Johannesburg. Nelson Mandela's ANC party may have brought freedom to South Africa, but that freedom has been marred by corruption allegations at the party's highest levels. On Monday, the ANC faces a crisis after a report by an independent panel found that President Suramaphosa may have broken the law and violated his oath of office. The panel's report says large amounts of foreign currency were stolen from a sofa at Ramaphosa's private game farm in 2020 and that he did not report that the money was missing. The source of the money remains unclear. Ramaphosa has denied wrongdoing and has not been charged with any crimes. People on the streets of Johannesburg said they felt let down by the president and the ruling party. This is 28-year-old Gareth Mukhuri, an IT technician. I'm always disappointed by the ANC. I don't have any faith in them. Uh, They don't do much for us. They do much for themselves and their families. Patrick Tandy is a company director in Johannesburg. I I was very hopeful um, when there was the original change when the ANC came to power. And it's just been a systematic uh, disappointment um, over the over the decades of ANC uh, power and leadership. Despite the frustration of another scandal, experts say the ANC faces tough choices regarding Ramaphosa's future with the party. 
political scientist Roland Henwood explains. All the um, surveys that I'm aware of indicates that if Mr. Ramaphosa leaves the ANC, the level of support drops by anything between 5 and 10 percent, maybe even a bit more, which leaves the party at somewhere between 35 and 45 percent national support. So that means they no longer have the majority to govern if we go to an election now. Analysts say the party has seen declining support with every election due to its failure to provide basic services like clean water and electricity to the public. Former President Jacob Zuma's tenure was clouded by corruption allegations as the nation's infrastructure declined. An inquiry into state graft also found that under Zuma's watch, state anti-corruption units had been dismantled and law enforcement weakened. Ramaphosa campaigned on fighting graft, and even though it's been a long journey, Kavisha Pillay of anti-graft group Corruption Watch says Ramaphosa has made improvements. Prior to President Ramaphosa's appointment, or uh, prior to his election into office, civil society wasn't allowed a seat at the table. We were often shunned, distrusted. Um, There was no real working relationship, whereas now I think there's quite a solidified relationship because the ANC government under Ramaphosa has taken an approach to say that fighting corruption is a whole of society initiative. It can't just be up to government or up to law enforcement. So they're involving everybody. Ramaphosa says he will challenge the disciplinary report. Political analysts say he is a strong contender to remain the party's president at the ANC's conference due to begin December 16th. Sahil Kassam for VOA News, Johannesburg. The National Governing Council of the Uganda Medical Association, or UMA, plans to meet today, Tuesday, to decide on whether to take disciplinary action against the group's president, Dr. Samuel Odongo Oledo. This after Oledo led some members of the association while kneeling to call on Ugandan President Yoweri Museveni to seek his seventh term of office in 2026. Oledo praised Museveni for improving the country's health care system and the living conditions of the medical workers. Dr. Herbert Lucewater, the General Secretary of the Uganda Medical Association, tells viewers Peter Clotty that some of the members are demanding punishment for Oledo, whom they accused of politicizing the organization and bringing its name and reputation into disrepute. It is a very bad uh, situation for all the medical fraternity in Uganda. And we are very saddened by the reactions which are coming from uh, the public, including the political players or people in other political uh, parties. Uh, What happened uh, is something that is very wrong. The president or the leader of UMA acted in a very wrong way and overstepped, actually abused the values of the association. We interacted with him before uh, the symposium uh, happened. And actually, we we had a meeting and we had a discussion, and we clearly uh, noted that this was not uh, an avenue for Uganda Medical Association because we did not have any uh, uh, invitation uh, as the Uganda Medical Association to attend to this uh, event officially. Uh, uh, Number two, it it was a political event. Some opposition political party leaders, including Dr. Chisabeseje, who himself is a medical doctor, although not practicing at the moment, has called for the resignation of the leader of 
the group saying he's a disgrace to the medical fraternity is that the stance of some of your members who disagree with uh, his action so uh, the members of uganda medical association have, have been calling us as leaders uh, and they are requesting us to take action and according to the constitution uh, members actually have a right uh, to call an extraordinary uh, general assembly they have been uh, they have done this through whatsapp messages and you know uh, although they have not yet put this on paper and sending that request have not yet seen it as a secretary general are there any plans or meeting to decide on the fate of what to do with the leaders action over the weekend we have so far had two meetings with the national executive committee and we came up with the resolutions and one of those resolutions was what you saw on uh, press release uh, to send out that press release and clear the air on what happened in Kororo because many people thought that actually this was an agreed position of Uganda Medical Association and yet it was uh, you know it was wrong uh, it was not a position of Uganda Medical Association so we have been able to clear the air and dissociate uh, the association from that activity because, I mean, this is what happened. We did not grant this activity as an association to, to, to take shape. Does that basically mean that the leader of the Uganda Medical Association has brought the group's name into disrepute? And for that reason, people are calling for him to be sanctioned or disciplinary action taken against him? We are also having another meeting tomorrow or with the national governing council the national governing council consists uh, uh the leaders of the specialist associations the surgeons the obstetricians the pediatricians and also our branch uh, executives because we have branches in different uh, regions and the country we have 15 branches and these branches also have chair uh, uh, chairpersons so we are having this meeting tomorrow uh, also together with the elders forum of uma this one consists of doctors who are retired that is the members of the elders forum so that we can sit together and see how we can salvage the association and bring it back to its feet and avoid this division which has come up and uh, because we think as the national executive committee instead of destroying the association and throwing the dogs we would rather lose an individual but keep the association together and if it comes to that and the members vote that way then that will be it the president will have to be forced to resign unless otherwise if he's allowed to stay with any terms and conditions by the, the extraordinary general assembly uh, or by all the members that was dr samuel odongo oledo the president of the national governing council of the uganda medical association you are speaking with viewers peter clotty You are listening to Daybreak Africa on the Voice of America. I am James Barty in Washington. Today is Tuesday, December 6. For more African news and features, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The president of the Chad Bar Association said the country's lawyers will appeal the guilty verdict and sentencing of 262 protesters to three years in prison. 
Chiranji Lajer Dioro says the group is hoping that the appeals judge will be independent enough to reverse the decision. The military government arrested over 600 people following a deadly October 20 protest demanding the military honor its 2021 commitment to return the country to democracy. Their four-day trial ended Sunday at the high security prison of Korotoro in central Chad. The French news agency quotes the public prosecutor as saying, that 80 others were given one to two years suspended sentences and 59 were acquitted. Bar Association President Dioro says his group is also calling for an international independent commission to investigate the trial. As you know, we could not be informed of what was happening at Korotoro Prison since the telephone does not pass there. So it is following the press briefing of the public prosecutor of Jamena today, we have been informed of the judgment pronounced at the hearing held in this prison of Korotoro. The prosecutor mentioned that the 401 defendants appeared and tried in accordance with the law. What law the prosecutor is talking about? Since we have spent our time denouncing the violations of the rule of law, 262 persons were sentenced to between two and three years in prison, 80 giving suspended sentences of between 12 and 24 months, and 59 found not guilty on the benefit of doubt. He also indicated that Eight minnows are brought back to Jamena prison for the procedure before the juvenile judge. So this trial took place outside of Jamena. I know the Bar Association was on strike where the defendants represented by lawyers. We as Bar Association maintain our denunciation of this parody of justice following what is called mobile hearing but which is not one. This violation of the rules of, of procedures and the guarantees of fair trial and therefore of the law, all of these causes a real problem of the independence of charge and justice and therefore for the rule of law. Is it possible that uh, you, the lawyers for the defendants, can appeal the guilty verdict? Can you appeal? The College of Lawyers will appeal against this judgment and in the hope that the appeal judge will be enough independent to reverse this judgment. We are still calling for the International and Independent Commission under the auspices of credible international organization. Jiranji Lajer Dioro is the president of the Chad Bar Association. You are speaking with us from the capital, Unjamina. Press freedom groups have condemned Burkina Faso's ban on broadcast by a French media outlet Radio France International or RFI. Ouagadougou's military leaders linked the ban to RFI, reporting that Hunta describes as false. Critics say the military is seeking to control news and information as it struggles against worsening insecurity. Henry Wilkins reports from Niamey in neighboring Niger on the dispute. Burkina Faso is the second West African country after Mali to take the French broadcaster off the air. 
Both countries are under military rule. In a statement, the Burkinabi military hunter says Radio France International made false reports pertaining to an alleged foiled coup attempts last week and had given voice to Islamist militants. In the wake of the ban announced Saturday, RFI issued a separate statement saying it strongly deplores the authorities' actions and will explore all avenues to restore RFI's broadcasting. RFI also cited its unwavering commitment to the freedom to inform and to the professional work of its journalists. Jonathan Rosen is with the Committee to Protect Journalists, a New York-based advocacy group. The Committee to Protect Journalists is alarmed by and investigating the suspension of French broadcaster RFI in Burkina Faso. It's unfortunate that as people in Burkina Faso and across the Sahel grapple with insecurity, authorities have chosen to deny access to a prominent source of news and information. Reporters Without Borders, or RSF, says the authorities' decision will prevent other journalists from reporting on terrorism and could be illegal. Sadibu Marong is RSF's West Africa director. CSC is, uh, is the media regulator, which, according to the law, has the prerogative to suspend or sanction the media. Uh, unless the law has been changed, this is also a violation of the media regulation laws. Burkina Faso has been at war with militants linked to Islamic State and Al-Qaeda for more than six years. As the violence has worsened, so has political instability, with the country enduring two military coups this year, one in January, one in September. Both hunters have promised to resolve the country's security problems. Andrew Leibovich is an analyst with Klingendale Institute, a Netherlands-based research group. He says the current hunter, led by Ibrahim Traoré, is under increasing pressure to produce results. The attacks have continued and the, um, the, the hunter is, is still significantly under threat and still faces I think, important uh, pressures, political pressure, but also pressure even potentially within the military. So there's, there's a lot for them to balance right now. And I don't think we can say that they've shown real signs of success yet. The action against RFI comes after a number of anti-French protests across the country in recent months. Some blame Burkina Faso's military partnership with its former colonizer for the failure to stop the violence. Earlier this year, France announced it would downsize its counterinsurgency military operation in the Sahel and regroup and recast itself under a European umbrella. Across the western Sahel countries of Burkina Faso, Mali and Niger, fatalities caused by conflict have increased by more than 50% this year, according to information from the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project. Henry Wilkins for VOA News, Niamey, Niger. Lisa Bryant in Paris contributed to this report. Botswana Wildlife Authorities are holding emergency meetings with communities near a national park where the poisoning of endangered vulture is on the rise. Last week, the country reported the killing of 90 vultures with some of the birds' body parts removed. From Habarini, Botswana, reporter Mkundise Dube has the details. The Minister of Environment and Tourism says the community meetings are critical in raising awareness about the preservation of the vultures. In a statement Monday, the minister said five meetings will be held in communities around the Chobe National Park, where more than 100 vultures have been poisoned in the past two months. In October, Botswana reported the poisoning of 50 white-backed vultures, which are critically endangered. Last week, 90 birds were killed in the park, and in both instances, the vultures' body parts were removed. The Minister of Environment is working with local vulture conservation organization, Bed Life Botswana. 
Bad Life Botswana Chief Executive Mtsarakhani Kutsusitse says public awareness could bear fruit. I just want to, I think at this point in time, appreciate the effort that is done by government. You know, um, since Bad Life has started the campaign on, on vulture conservation, uh, we have a slogan, I want my Botswana vultures alive, not dead. So since we started the campaign, the government of Botswana, through the Ministry of Environment and Tourism, have been very supportive. He adds awareness messages should target people in rural areas. You know, actually the issue is, is more serious than we think. You know, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, especially in areas outside protected areas, because this is a game where you see a lot of, you know, people poisoning uh, from the livestock, you know, sector. For VOA, this is Mkondisi Dube in Habroni, Botswana. And that's it for this Tuesday, December 6th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for joining us this morning. I am James Barton in Washington, wishing that you 